Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Happy Martin Luther King Day. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis uh, for you today, which we'll get into in a moment. But Jim, we are happy to report that on Wednesday, we will have our second ever guest on the Three Martini Lunch. And for those of you getting nervous, no, this is not still not something we're planning to make uh, a regular part of the podcast. But when opportunities present themselves, uh, we are going to take them. This is another uh, prominent figure who we think has uh, something to add to the conversation, who's not you know, prominently featured in the conversation these days, but uh, has a wealth of experience, uh, both foreign and domestic, to, uh, to shed some light on important issues of the day. We'll give you a couple more clues tomorrow, but I think that's a pretty good wedding of the appetite today, wouldn't you say? It's a good way of putting it, Greg. Uh, this is not Bob Costas again, in case you're thinking <laughs> we're going to you know, do this to you a second time. Uh, although we'd certainly like to have Bob on the, on the program some other time. No, this is someone I think, Greg, you and I are generally fans of, with maybe one or two glaring exceptions in the past. Um, heard something we said, disagreed with something we said, and uh, we are going to have a hopefully a fun, full, free-ranging conversation with this guest, and I'm looking forward to it a great deal. Yeah, absolutely. So that's Wednesday on the Three Martini Lunch. And again, maybe a couple more clues to uh, point you in the right direction on tomorrow's podcast. But let's get to today. Jim, I don't know about you, but did the air seem just a little bit fresher shortly after noon on Saturday? Uh, Because down in Richmond, uh, Ralph Northam was out as governor. Uh, uh, Glenn Youngkin is in. Winsome Sears in as lieutenant governor. Jason Miara's in as attorney general. And it did not take long for the difference to show. Miaris is already uh, suing uh, over vaccine mandates. Yunkin signed a slew of executive orders, one ending the mandate over masks on kids in schools. He's also uh, banned the teaching of critical race theory, and he's got an ambitious uh, agenda. I liked his inaugural speech. I thought it was uplifting and, and unifying, but also pointing out, you know, I did get elected for a reason. And part of that is to uh, infuse more freedom into the Commonwealth. And parents, you're the ones that put me over the top here. uh, And you are going to have a larger stake in your kids' education. Well, the deep blue parts of Virginia, not liking the mask order very much. Uh, Arlington saying it's not going to change. Uh, Others saying that they are going to evaluate. I think that's where Fairfax is right now. Alexandria Mm -hmm. uh, stirring the pot and saying, oh, yeah, we're going to actually make the mandate tighter. What do you think about that, Glenn Youngkin? So, uh, Jim, I don't know how this is going to get sorted out. I assume it's headed to court, but it's a new day in Virginia. And Glenn Youngkin, much to the consternation of liberals, is planning to follow through on what he promised to do. Yeah, I was going to say the indisputable good news is Glenn Youngkin is moving quickly and, you know, resolutely to keep his to deliver what he promised. Um, This is going obviously is generating a really strong pushback, particularly in my neck of the woods. Uh, In fact, this just handed to me, Greg, in Alexandria. Kids are now required to wear a full chem bio suit all day long. That's that's, a big upgrade there. Um, A bit more seriously. I don't. I, I think this is going to go to go to uh, uh, courts. I think they'll probably get an injunction. And I think, as much as I do not like to admit it, the Virginia state legislator, including uh, L. Luis Lucas, uh, tweeting, "Cry harder, governor! You know, please retweet this before we drown in these tears." Hey, Greg, remember when like being immature and obnoxious on Twitter was like the worst thing a lawmaker could do? 
Definitely. Like from like 2017 to 2021, that was something they could, you know, nobody was ever <laughs> supposed to do. Okay, just, just checking. Uh, but in this case, back in early 2021, the Virginia State Legislature passed and the Governor Ralph Northam signed into law a bill declaring that each school board shall adopt, implement, and when appropriate, update specific parameters for the provision of in-person instruction and uh, to the maximum extent practicable to any currently applicable mitigation strategies for early childhood care and education programs at education at elementary and secondary schools to reduce the transmission of COVID-19 that have been provided by the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Now, it doesn't specifically say, you know, you must have masks. It doesn't say you must not have masks. It says you should, you know, to the extent practical, use applicable mitigation strategies. And I think the CDC pretty clearly is saying, yes, you should wear masks. It's going to be a long time before Biden, a, a, a CDC that reports President Biden, is going to say, no, kids should not wear masks. So it's conceivable that, you know, when they say this executive order can't overrule law, I think this, they're probably on solid ground for that. It may require the Republican-controlled state legislature to uh, pass legislation altering this bill. On the other hand, maybe the courts are going to look at this and say, you know what, there's nothing there that says you got to wear masks. I think, you know, giving the parents the carve out or the exemption if they don't want their kids to wear masks is fine. So I don't think we've seen, you know, we're a long ways towards resolving this issue, but we are not seeing Youngkin back down or water down what he's promised to deliver or anything like that. Um, we can argue about masks for a long time ago. In today's morning, Jolt, I go into a great deal of length of how um, in the District of Columbia, for example, uh, they enacted the strictest, you know, masking rule in the entire country back on December 21st. More than 37% of all DC cases have occurred since they enacted that mask mandate. In <laughs> other words, no, masks are not really doing much of a job against Omicron. And if you want to keep, if you want your child to wear masks, that's fine. Go right ahead. Somebody else's child choosing to not wear a mask is not going to kill your child. It's not putting your child at risk. And the example the Washington Post used in their article about it today was a child who had a brain tumor and who was uh, had just completed chemotherapy. Now, look, if your child has undergone chemotherapy and is immunocompromised, I'd like to think every parent would say, oh, okay, sure, I'll have my kid wear a mask around your child. I, you know, Nobody wants anything bad to happen. But it's been this utterly infuriating dispute about which everybody kind of screaming at each other saying, I care about kids and you don't, which is absolutely nonsense. And there's way too much preening of this, including public school, uh, uh, Arlington public school parent, uh, Jen Sack. Oh, I'm sorry. Jen Psaki simply said she was an Arlington school parent. Didn't say public school parent. Highly unlikely she's a public Arlington school county parent. Arlington County parent. Curious wording there, huh, Greg? Yeah, there's a word missing there. There's a word missing there. Now, if, if she was, I figure if she was a public school, you know, my kids in public school, she'd say so. She didn't. So I have a sneaking suspicion. She sends her kids to private school, but she's mad as heck about what Glenn Youngkin is making public schools do. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough fight. You know, I'm generally a fan of local control. So, uh, you know, local uh, officials over state officials, state officials over federal officials. But, you know, there's nothing more local for, to a student than their parents. So uh, it's, a, it's a fight. I hope that the parents win, uh, even if uh, legislation needs to be changed. Speaking of which, uh, you know, the got a Republican governor now in the uh, House of Delegates. It's 5248 Republicans. So they can afford to I guess lose one vote on a variety of issues. Over in the state Senate, it's 2119 Democrats, but a Republican lieutenant governor wins some Sears and I would break any ties. So uh, the person to watch, the Joe Manchin, if you will, of the Virginia State Senate is the most Republican sounding name you could ever think of for a Democrat. It's Chap Peterson of uh, of uh, Fairfax, not too far from you, Jim. So uh, we'll see on what issues, whether it's this or something else, he might be persuadable on uh, as far as getting stuff actually done legislatively in Richmond. 
Greg, I cannot say anything mean or snide about Chap Peterson, at least for the next two years. <laughs> All right. Well, another thing you're not going to say anything mean or snide about, in fact, you're only going to say glowing things about, is the fact that you're observing all of this uh, new political atmosphere in Virginia from the comfort of your beloved ex-chair. You know, listeners, I hope you love your work. I love what I do. But sometimes, or at least I used to dread sitting down at my desk. I felt that way before I got my ex-chair. Now, thanks to my ex-chair, I actually look forward to sitting in my home office because my body feels so much more supported and comfortable. And more comfort means more productivity, helping my ex-chair pay for itself thanks to how much more work I'm getting done each day. If I'm feeling tight or stressed, I just turn on the LMAX massage feature and I can choose from four different massage options. If the office is running too hot or too cold, I can just flip on the LMAX temperature regulation and I can either heat or cool my lower back. Once you feel the customized support of the X-Chair's patented Dynamic Variable Lumbar, or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. So take my advice, try X-Chair for yourself, risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. I promise. Go to xchairmartini.com now. That's the letter X, chair, M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com. Or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 per month. Again, xchairmartini.com. All right, Jim, on to our bad martini now, but it's a story with a positive ending. Uh, Saturday, we had the horrific story of the hostage situation at the Beth Israel Synagogue in Colleyville, Texas, which is near Dallas. And as uh, details got out before the hostage situation was resolved, it was bizarre once again and infuriating how the left and the media try to paper over what seems to be fairly obvious here. The person who took the hostages was a person by the name of Malik Faisal Akram. And the media simply referred to him as a person with a British accent or a British citizen. Why would a Malik Faisal Akram be hostile at a Jewish synagogue? Well, uh, as of Saturday night, the FBI certainly couldn't figure it out. Here's their special agent in charge. After the whole situation was done, everyone thankfully released safely. So the law enforcement certainly doing a good job on that front. Uh, the, the hostage taker uh, shot to death. Uh, not sure whether it was by his own hand or, or by authorities. But uh, here's the FBI throwing up their hands as to a motive. Uh, we, we, we do believe from our engagement with this subject that he was singularly focused on one issue uh, and it was not specifically related to the Jewish community, uh, but we're continuing to work to find motive and, and we will continue on that path. Not to be outdone, here's Joe Biden on Sunday. Still not sure. I said it's a horrible situation, but we just don't know enough. I, I don't think there is sufficient information to know about uh, why he targeted that synagogue, why he insisted on the release of someone who's been in prison for over uh, 10 years, why he was engaged, why he was uh, using anti-Semitic and anti-Israeli comments. Uh, I, 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 we just don't have enough facts. And then finally, uh, late Sunday night, the FBI saying in a statement, this is a terrorism-related matter in which the Jewish community was targeted and is being investigated by the Joint Terrorism Task Force. Now, uh, this person who was the hostage taker was doing it to call attention to the desire to get 
someone released. It's a person who's been in uh, custody for a long time named Afia Siddiqui, a Pakistani neuroscientist who was uh, described as an Al-Qaeda operative and facilitator back in 2004 and has been in prison since 2010 on charges related to the attempted murder and assault of U.S. Uh, officers and employees in Afghanistan two years before that. So, uh, Jim, it's good that the FBI has finally trickled uh, to the truth here, but uh, kind of mysterious yet again that uh, they're very, very slow to come to the obvious conclusion in some of these cases. Greg, longtime listeners will know, will think back to the infamous Disney CTU episode <laughs> around the timing of the Pulse nightclub shooting. Between that and Die Hard, you and I have made fun of the FBI quite a bit on this podcast. And when I went, as soon as you heard that the hostages were rescued, the perpetrator was killed and everybody who uh, uh, was a potential victim was brought out safe. This was done by the FBI hostage rescue team that's based out of Quantico. They mobilized. They got down there to Texas, you know, assessed the situation and then went in and did their job. I was ready to say, you know what? I give the FBI a lot of grief. They've had a lot of uh, controversies and a lot of folks have not been happy, FISA warrants, stuff like that. But you know what? On this day, the Federal Bureau of Investigation absolutely deserves every attaboy. None of those guys on that team should ever buy a bar, should ever have to pay for a beer in their in their lives. Great guy, great job, guys. And then they had to do that. <laughs> they had to ruin it. They had to botch it by making this just asinine, implausible. And at this point, I kind of wonder if it's reflexive, you know, that a, a person, I mean, never mind just judging by the name, right? They're calling for the release of an Al-Qaeda, uh, uh, a, a person who's associated as an operative for Al-Qaeda, and they take a hostage, they take hostages at a synagogue. Gee, do you think anti-Semitism or jihadism or Islamism could have anything to do with this? Does this seem, you know, uh, maybe he was just driving around Texas and he was looking for a church and he just couldn't find a church. He just had to go to one. He just, oh, I'm going to have to make do with a synagogue here in Texas or something like that. Absolutely. Just otherworldly and so infuriating. And I think this really, um, lots of folks start thinking about the the uh, guy who drove his truck into the parade uh, last month in up in Wisconsin. The sudden lack of interest in what the motivation was and what was the driving force behind this and the contrast to that when compared to uh, other you know, indisputable acts of terror and other indisputable um, acts of, of, you know, attempt to intimidate and attempt to lash out at others uh, of course, we can all see the ludicrous double standard here. It's really infuriating. I'm glad the FBI updated the statement and acknowledged the obvious. Um, but it reminded, if ironically, considering our past discussion of the Pulse nightclub shooting, the guy who did the Pulse nightclub shooting was telling the F the 911 operator that he called into that he was the one doing this and he was doing this in honor of ISIS and he pledged his life to ISIS. And it took forever for the FBI to say, yeah, this was jihadism. It, it's really an infuriating habit of the organization. It's, it's happened too many times to believe that this is accidental. And I think this sort of thing only fuels public fear, public paranoia, uh, and public suspicion that they're not getting, if they're not getting the real story, the situation must be much worse than, they, than the authorities are saying it is. And that's not, you know, if you, if you really want to stop uh, uh, hate crimes against Muslims, if you really want to stop hate crimes against anybody, you don't do anyone any favors by lying. 
No, what you do, though, is you create a gap for other narratives to fill in. Because remember, until the FBI admitted that, oh, this guy must have been an anti-gay crusader. That's why he went to the Pulse nightclub. It couldn't have been Mm -hmm. anything else than that. And then on Saturday, you had Dana Nessel, for example, the Michigan attorney general, a Democrat, uh, suggesting, well, I don't know the details here, but uh, I know white supremacism is on the rise. So I certainly wouldn't be surprised if that was the culprit. So you you let all these other more convenient narratives feed in. And then it's a lot harder to peel them back once the facts come out. Get your narrative in there and let that kind of, you know, get a, you know, kind of kind of get their their tentacles, get their uh, their hooks, you know, into people's minds. People, if people will believe their first explanation. In fact, I remember after the trial of the uh, wife or girlfriend of the Pulse nightclub shooter, uh, which is very clear that there was never this was not a matter of him being repressed homo- uh, homosexuality. He was not homophobic. Remember, he originally wanted to do it at the House of Blues over at Disney World. And that's when, uh, no pun intended, uh, of the Disney CTO, the Disney, you know, security operation noticed him and saw him as acting suspiciously. And I guess the deployment of their security folks made him leave that venue because he believed that he would uh, not be able to perpetuate the attack that he wanted to. Even after that, there were gay rights groups who were assisting, no, this is homophobia. This is about gay rights. It's, It's as if they've, you know, they've locked in an explanation. And no amount of evidence can possibly deter them, which is not, um, I, I, just as you know, you're not in a good situation if you are denying threats that are going on to you, you are also in a bad situation if you are imagining threats and you are imagining problems that do not exist. Is homophobia, you know, are, there, are there people who are Islamophobic in this country? Yes, yeah, sure, absolutely. Are there people who are uh, homophobic? In this? Absolutely. But it doesn't do us anyone, it doesn't help anyone when you say, Look, this guy who's, you know, trying to demand the release of an Al-Qaeda operative and decide to attack in a synagogue, you know, you're around saying this is an anti-Semitism. People are going to come around to the conclusion, oh, the FBI has no idea what they're doing. Excellent point, Jim. Uh, and it, it's it's we've gotten to the point now. Every, you know, these mass shootings is is horrific, but we've gotten to the point now where folks don't even pay that much attention to the lives that are and the families that are completely shattered by this. It's, oh, who is he? What's what are his demographics? What are his politics? And that's that's all a lot of people watch for once these horrific stories start to unfold. So hopefully we can get away from that in this country. Uh, let's move on to uh, better news, and that's that if you need a break from this uh, constant uh, narrative building, regardless of the facts, you need a break. Take a nap on a my pillow, or on Giza Dream Sheets, or both. Use the my pillow towels, or do what I'm doing right now. Wear the new My Slippers. Absolutely love the new My Slippers. And right now, they're on sale at a fantastic deal. If you use our promo code Martini at MyPillow.com, you can get 40% off the new My Slippers. Now, these slippers took two years to develop to ensure the highest quality and comfort. They're designed to be worn all day, indoors, outdoors, wherever you like. They're available in moccasin or slip-on style, and they come in a variety of colors and sizes. The, the My Slippers are made with quality leather suede and the exclusive three tier cushioning system. This includes the My Pillow patented fill, the Impact Gel, and the Memory Foam. For a limited time, My Pillow is offering 40% off the new My Slippers. Go to mypillow.com and click on the radio listener square, then enter the promo code Martini or call 800 874 0104 and use the code there. Now, while you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and the MyPillow towel sets. You can only save that 40%, though, on the new My Slippers with our promo code Martini. So please use that, the code Martini, when you call 800 874 0104 or at mypillow.com. 
All right, Jim, on to our crazy martini now. We had plenty of nominees for this, as usual, today. But uh, the editorial board of the Salt Lake Tribune takes the cake. They are very unhappy with the um, administration of Republican Governor Spencer Cox for not doing more to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. They wanted the state to mandate vaccinations and the state refused to mandate vaccinations. And so uh, with the numbers climbing uh, in different parts of the country, even though the uh, the new variant of the virus is uh, clearly not as virulent as previous ones, uh, they, want to, they want to drop the hammer on the unvaccinated even more, Jim. And this is an editorial, again, in the United States, quote, were Utah a truly civilized place, the governor's next move would be to find a way to mandate the kind of mass vaccination campaign we should have launched a year ago. Going as far as to deploy the National Guard to ensure that people without proof of vaccination would not be allowed, well, anywhere. Jim, again, <laughs> this is your plan to encourage people to do what you want them to do. You're going about it uh, exactly wrong. Uh, the people who are trying to, again, continue with the same narrative, even though the facts are different this time around, uh, are driving themselves insane. And the rest of us are probably uh, not far from joining them with this kind of rhetoric. You know, Greg, my first thought is this has got to be some sort of Jonathan Swift, a modest proposal, uh, ludicrous parody of pro-vaccination arguments that that is so over the top. And it's meant to be ridiculous that it's meant to illustrate how insane some people will go in terms of promoting vaccinations. And then when that was not the case, I started thinking, huh, did they put this out there knowing it was so insanely provocative and outrageous that it would generate a huge reaction? And I'm guessing that probably the Salt Lake Tribune, that, I bet you that editorial has gotten more traffic than almost anything else on the Salt Lake Tribune uh, they've done. People just aren't that into the Utah Jazz these days, right? You know, It's been a long time since you and I have discussed anything else that's been in the Salt Lake Tribune, if we've ever discussed this before. Most people pay no attention to the Salt Lake Tribune. So the idea is you put this idea out, all of a sudden now, you know, coast to coast, people think, oh my God, did you see what they wrote in their editorial? What's wrong with these people? But I think the third possibility here is that they actually believe what they say. I think that's actually the scariest option. And it makes me say, I'd really love to see a poll, not just for this proposal of, you know, should states deploy the National Guard to ensure that people who do not have proof of vaccination are not allowed anywhere? I'd love to see the reaction to that one. And the second question I'd like to see people ask questions on is, do they believe the federal government or state governments should Use the, do, do you think the government should have its authority to force you to take a vaccine that you do not want to take in the sense of like, should we go door to door and literally inject people against their will, hold them down and stick the needles in them, whether they want it or not? Are you comfortable with the government doing that? Because as I said this in a, in a rather impassioned argument with someone this weekend, you are always going to have some people who refuse to get vaccinated. That is the state of things. And I hear the question is, what do you want to? Most of us have said, okay, I'm vaccinated. I feel good about vaccinated. I've encouraged my loved ones to get vaccinated. You know, we've gotten the boosters. We're doing fine. We're going to go through life and we're going to accept that. I, I'd prefer if somebody else got vaccinated. I had another argument with someone, uh, a good friend who's not vaccinated, who hasn't liked some things I've said on this podcast saying you should go out to get vaccinated. And you're, you know, these pe people are grown adults. They can make their own decisions. I prefer they got vaccinated because I want to make sure they don't have a bad outcome from, you know, from catching COVID-19. They'll probably be okay if they get COVID-19. You never know. You know, vaccination helps. Getting boosted helps. If you don't, all right, fine. You'll probably be fine. But that's, that's you know, that's what I think. You don't like my opinion. That's fine. But go go talk to your doctor. 
listen to somebody you trust and see what they think. Um, there are some people who are allergic to vaccine ingredients. Those folks should not get vaccinated. Uh, there are some people who have other health conditions that might make, uh, uh, if you had a really terrible reaction to the first one, then you probably shouldn't get the second shot. You know, there, there are certain exceptions here. But there, basically, I think there are certain people who see the existence of people who've chosen to refuse to be unvaccinated as an unacceptable form of dissent. And they believe that the purpose of government is to make us do things that are in our own interest, that are for our own good, whether we want to or not. That is not the relationship between the government and the citizenry. That might be the relationship between a parent and a child. That's why I've never liked these metaphors of, you know, so-and-so is the national father or something like that. No, you're not. Free people do not need the government to be mommy and daddy. Freedom must include the right to make decisions we think are stupid. Freedom must include the right to make decisions we think are wrong. Otherwise, there's no such thing as freedom. At that point, once you've opened that door, then you've you know, allowing the government to force you to do things, to put something into your body you don't want to take. Boy, that's a really, you know, that's an extraordinarily dangerous door to open. And Greg, apparently there are some people in this world, some people on the Salt Lake Tribune who think, yes, it is an appropriate role for the National Guard to go around, guns drawn, making sure people who are unvaccinated don't leave their homes. And they're the reasonable ones, supposedly, <laughs> right? They're the they're the ones uh, looking out for the good of society. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think they're going to get traffic. They're going to get attention. It's not the kind you want, but uh, some people prefer attention more than respect, I guess. But uh, wow, 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 wow. Jim, quite the way to start the week. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Please tell your friends about us as well. Uh, we are very grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Please, please keep those coming. Uh, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday. And please join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next.